Mo Kruger is a 30-year banking veteran that specializes in storage financing for small business owners. Over his 30 years in banking, Mo has been a branch manager, bank business development officer, residential mortgage specialist, private banking manager, commercial relationship manager before settling in and focusing on helping small business owners. He has a great love for entrepreneurs and has spent the past 16 years financing business acquisitions, real estate acquisitions, and construction lending, utilizing the Small Business Administration's programs. He has closed close to a billion dollars in loans over his banking career, including $250 million in storage loans. Mo joined Live Oak Bank in 2015 as a senior loan officer for the self-storage vertical. At Live Oak Bank, he is focused on loans that include construction deals, acquisitions, conversions, and mobile storage deals. In this episode, we talk to Mo about how he got into self-storage lending, the keys to successfully getting an SBA loan for self-storage, the differences between SBA versus traditional commercial loans, and the common gotchas you should avoid. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we get to this week's show, we'd like to make you aware of something. We are self-storage investors. We buy existing self-storage facilities and vacant buildings that can be converted to self-storage in the Sun Belt. We buy them with cash and some with loans, and we use private lenders who become equity partners in our deals. These equity partners share in the cash flow and the profits when we sell. When we find a deal that we are considering, we call the equity partners and offer them a share of the ownership secured by the property. So if you've ever driven by a self-storage facility and thought, I wonder who owns those things, and you have any interest in learning more about the storage business, we'd love to chat with you. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash storage. That's roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash S-T-O-R-A-G-E and set up a time to chat. We look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Well, Mo Kruger, welcome to the road to family freedom. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, I, I gave during the intro, I gave people a little bit of a breakdown of your your career and Live Oak Bank. But for uh, those of us who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit of how you ended up in being a self-storage loan officer? Sure. Well, I spent a good number of years in the banking world, doing various roles from, gosh, when I first started, I ran a couple of branches and then uh, Moved into the small business side and gravitated towards, uh, I guess I'm a closet entrepreneur, always been fascinated, love the attitude of folks who are banking on themselves rather than whatever else it might be. So started getting in the, the world of uh, SBA lending back in 20, 2005 and had the great fortune in the uh, beginning of 2015 to get a call from a very good friend of mine, Kent Anderson, who asked me if I'd come up and visit Live Oak and definitely knew about Live Oak at the time and came here and I'll be honest, I was just blown away. Started focusing on just self-storage lending back in 2015. And those who have studied the industry know that there was a lot of pent up demand at that time. And from that time has continued to just really grow. And so we've tried to really work hard and hustle and we've had a lot of success. And I think that we have been able to help a lot of people get into the self-storage world who might have otherwise felt that it was out of reach. And correct me if I'm wrong, Live Oak Bank is the top SBA lender in the country or top SBA for self-storage in the country? Well, both. I'll clarify the first, just so don't uh, misrepresent anything. We're the top SBA lender in dollar volume in the in the entire United States. And then self-storage, we also are, I'm not sure if it's both dollars and units, 
Uh, and we have been recognized by Inside Self Storage, I think for the last five years running as the top, top lender. So we're real proud of that. So when a new self-storage investor comes to Live Oak Bank uh, with a potential deal, what are some of the things that they can do to ensure a successful loan application? Okay, good question. Here's kind of the process that I go through with them is first and foremost, you want to understand what, what they're looking to do. So I try to just introduce myself quickly. And then uh, even though it's sometimes it's hard for me, then shut up and let them talk and let, let them verbalize what they're, what they're currently doing, what they have been doing to get to the point of reaching out to us. And then at that point, you know, there are a couple of things that I, you know, I want to really try to help them out with, and that is to pull down the curtain of secrecy on what the bank likes. And really, if, if they have a good viable deal, what can get them to an approval? And so we spend a good amount of time walking through that process. And I'd be happy to, to go through that if you want. But, you know, it's really understanding what they're looking for, not only with purchasing it, but, you know, if they can look into the future, what their exit strategy is going to be. Because ultimately, I feel it's important to try to give them a couple of options that can be available to them and be able to help them with the the financing is as long as they know kind of ranking one through five, what are their important items in being able to get the financing that they need. So you often, I've heard you say, tell people to brag about yourself when applying for. <laughs> I loan. definitely do that. That throws people a little bit off, but I don't think there's a conversation I have with somebody that, that I don't bring that up. And, and honestly, the, the big part about it is there are two two things with it. One is somebody's going to be putting their hard-earned money into this deal, and they work hard, and you know they they want to get it. And I just it, I don't want them to feel like they have to that they have to really you know just be very meek about it. I want to have the people who are real passionate. And the reason for that is I get the good fortune being on the front end of talking to them, and we'll a lot of times we'll talk for for quite a while. I've had guys that I worked on their same deal for four years, so. I want to have them have the ability after I recommend it for approval and the and the approving credit officer, I really hope that their business plan can jump off the page. And, you know, I said, don't, you know, leave humility for another day. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with it. So I said, just pretend like you're writing it about your best friend, but let's, let's get that out there. Let's, let's be confident. Let's be passionate about what you're doing. And similar to that, we ask for projections and, you know, oftentimes that, is a little bit tricky for people, but I tell them, I said, you know, it's not that I don't understand it, but I don't want worst case scenario because if you're, you know, if you're buying a facility and let's just take a, you know, a nice, nice deal, let's say it's a $2 million facility. You're going to be putting a couple hundred thousand dollars into it. You're not going to do the worst case job you can do. So the worst case scenario pro forma doesn't represent what you're really going to do. So, I want to have the ones that at two o'clock in the morning, you jump out of bed because you thought another way to generate additional revenue. Those are the numbers. Now they can't be pie in the sky or crazy numbers because obviously we see a lot of the deals. So that's not going to work, but give me exactly what you're trying to hit, especially if you're going to work hard and not, not try to play banker. And, you know, I even say, you know, kind of generalizing it a bit, but if, if they cut 10% on their projections and I joke, 
put the disclaimer here. I love all my credit officers. How's that? <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's someone in the, you haven't been in this a long time. It's kind of in the DNA of, of credit officers to cut. They just, you know, they're, they're going to cut. So if, if the borrower cut 10%, the credit officer cuts 10%, now I got 20% less chance of getting a good deal approved. Uh, now here at Live Oak is great because we can talk out deals, but you know, I just encourage them, whether they come to Live Oak or wherever, don't be afraid to tell us that you're going to work really hard to be successful and this is how you're going to do it and, and represent that and then take your chances from there. So would you would you say that sort of your job with the bank is to try and make sure that we get to a yes with, you know, with caveats? The credit officer's job is to sort of say, you know, all the reasons to say no. To a degree. I think traditional banking would be that way. Live Oak, one of the neat things about Live Oak is nobody's paid a commission on a deal. So what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm not looking to put money in my pocket. And it also means from a teammate standpoint that the credit officer is not scared to death to make a deal because he's trying to have a, you know, an absolute spotless portfolio. And then, you, you know, you're on the same team, but you're butting heads. At Live Oak, it's very, we really collaborate on deals and on the front end, and they put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on, you know, uh, Terry Campbell, who I joke and say he's a walking, talking encyclopedia of storage. They, you know, they want us to be doing deals, but we want to do good deals. And I, you know, I'd say any idiot can lend money. So let's just make sure that we're doing the right deals and any idiot can turn down a deal. So let's let's look at the deal. Let's really understand the industry. And we approach it as a partner that we want to do our best to be a good partner to them. So it is unique here because you, you sit down with your credit officer and you don't have to worry that they have a different motive than what you have. Ultimately, we all do well on how well the bank does. Yeah. So it's my my role to understand the deal, represent it as it goes through the chain, but also be able to sit down and explain if it is a deal that maybe is a little bit in between, um, you know, why I have confidence in the deal. And a lot of times it goes to why I have confidence in the borrower. You know, I often describe for people uh, who are trying to understand the whole banking borrower relationship when it comes to real estate, when it comes to self-storage is that they're there. And you described it is that you're a partner and they're often a second or third set of eyes that are looking at your deal to maybe prevent you from making a catastrophic decision. Um, <laughs> that is true. Is there uh is there a common gotcha that you see self-storage investors maybe miss when it comes to their own underwriting? Well, I think that what happens is because of, let's say the industry, so we'll blame it on the industry, but it's a unique position because the industry is so hot that, there's a deal that's there and it's like, I don't care what I have to pay for. I'm going to get this, this facility and it's, you can't make money then. And so nobody's, I don't, maybe people are doing it just to be nice and have a storage facility for them to go to, but really we were, we're hoping that people make a lot of money and really do a great job. So I, do, I don't ever want them, I guess the gotcha kind of would be just falling in love with the first deal that they can get their hands on. You know, you hear it over and over and you're a pro at this, so you know it better than I. But, you know, a lot of times you make your money on the buy. And so that's really the the aspect that I think can trip people up is acquisitions aren't really easy to come by. I encourage them to to really, you know, maybe just go slightly off the beaten path. And I tell them, you know, if you can find one that you can tell that grass needs a haircut, that the, you know, maybe some new paint and different things like that. 
that truly might be the best one for you to get because the opportunity is there. If you go to the shiny, nice new one on the corner of Main and Main, that person knows what they have. So if they're going to, they're willing to sell it to you, you're going to have a tough time making money on it. You know, I just encourage them to, to understand that sometimes no is the best answer that they can have because it, it, oftentimes it can be no on that project. It doesn't necessarily reflect on them as a potential owner or borrower, but hey, I've seen our credit guys in a sense almost come to tears because unfortunately it's not self-storage. It'd be another industry, but if a deal goes bad, yes, the bank doesn't want to make money, but I have seen the credit officers feel like they let down the borrower and let down the borrower's family and the employees of that, you know, that business, their family. So it really is a lot of why I think we've had success is that we do look at it, try to look at it from every angle and it isn't, let's just do deals to do deals so that we can increase, you know, our, our balance sheet because ultimately we want to do good deals. And, yeah. you know, so sometimes no doesn't sound good, but at the same time, no might just be on that deal and let's keep working together and let's figure out one that can be a yes. Ultimately, you guys don't want to be the owners of a self-storage facility. <laughs> Operators. Uh, no, no we, we don't. I guess, uh, I guess in some ways we have, uh, we've got a little, some built-in advantages with Terry Campbell, uh, but no, we're, we're a bank. Be horrified if anybody ever thought that we were in this to own facilities Yeah, that, you know, several of us do own are part owners of facilities. So yep. we'll get our taste that way, not yep. by bad deals. Yeah. Well, and you, you brought up a good point, which is, you know, you've got that shiny, shiny, well-run facility, you know, in the middle of town and the great, in the great location, let a REIT buy that, you know, that yeah. should be your exit right. strategy to become mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. to take that deal that's got some hair on it and some grass that needs, you know, mowing and take it to the point where a REIT buys it, where a REIT is borrowing money at 2% for, you know, from insurance companies and they're, and they, they're happy with a 5% return. And I don't know how their world works. I know they're very big on market share and, and those type of things. Our customer, we lend to the hardworking American people who want to be in business for themselves. So let's protect them. Let's find the great thing about self-storage is, you know, ultimately, even though, you know, it doesn't always look to be so exciting, it's still a great vehicle. I think Terry refers to it as a perfect annuity. And, you know, I, I will tell people the American dream to me is more owning your own business because, you know, I, as corny as it sounds, I, I love to hear if I talk to somebody and say, my grandfather started this business and then my dad had it. Now I have it. How that is just to me, that's that gives me chills. Whereas, you know, if somebody says, yeah, I'm living in my parents' basement, then I get a little worried. Maybe they had some trouble at some point financially and are having to live there. But uh, so, yeah, it, it really it's it is it is great to be able to put people into business for themselves. And that is something that I think everybody on our team from Terry, Bishesh, Anna, and, you know, that's one of the things that for us is is very rewarding. So what are some things that will almost surely sink a loan application? We struggle when I say struggle, that's maybe a nice word. We, we, we don't have a big appetite for borrowers that have, you know, character issues and uh, some that are, have had bankruptcies in the past are oftentimes hard for us to be able to overcome. Uh, we want to have credit scores above 650 uh, because we're doing 
government-backed loans. The we don't want to have default on on any type of government-backed loan in the past. So those are some things that are are deal killer. And and you know when I when some people talk and they say, oh, okay, the SBA, it's a government, you know, it's a government loan. I try to explain to them there is a little bit difference between the SBA 7A loan and the 504. The 7A loan is a loan that Live Oak Bank makes a decision on. The money comes out of the Live Oak Bank vault. So we register the deal with the SBA. We attest we're going to be following your rule book. But really to the borrower, there shouldn't be a lot of feeling of, oh boy, the government's going to be, you know, they're going to be involved in it because, you know, we, we get audited, I think once or twice a year. And so they pick deals, make sure we're, we are following their rule book. But it's a very streamlined process. And, you know, when somebody calls us, how long is it going to take? If they're going to be responsive, I want to I want to have them closed in 60 days. 504 is slightly different because, yes, the SBA does. They do have to approve the second mortgage, the debenture. But the 7A is, you know, I think, in, can work very much like a conventional deal. So if they stay away from some of those pitfalls, I think that, you know, we have an ability to, if it's a you know good deal where it can protect them and have them be successful, I think we have a real good opportunity to, to finance that deal. Gotcha. Okay. So you mentioned, I'm going to, I'm going to dig in a little bit here because you mentioned a 7A loan versus a 504 loan. Can you sort of, for somebody who's not familiar with those at all, can you sort of briefly describe what they are? So the seven, and so, uh, and they, they both have really, really good fits and we'll do both. So kind of go to the back of the beginning, which works best for which person. So the 7A loan is, that would be a, a loan that Live Oak will do. And it's, I'll give an example of, uh, let's say, an acquisition that I did in North Carolina. It was a million-dollar acquisition, and we financed nine hundred seventy-two thousand. So when we say we high leverage, long term, twenty-five year term and amortization, high leverage, long term financing, and that would be an example of it. Now, with that, does it mean that the person only came in with twenty-eight thousand? We we finance these as a project. So the acquisition price was a million. There was work that needed to be done on it. So we financed in improvements. The borrowers wanted some working capital and they had closing costs. So the entire deal was a, a million eighty. They put in 10%. We financed the rest, 972, over 25 years. So that would be how the 7A, let's say, works at its best. On ground up construction deals, you have you know several more items to it where you're building in interest reserves for construction for post certificate of occupancy. So that's the part that really gets important to somebody. If the cash flow is there, then we can lend up to 90% of the project. On the 504, a little bit different is the 504, the bank, Live Oak would take a first mortgage, a conventional first mortgage at 50% loan to value. And then the you work with a local certified development company in whatever state it might be. And they work as I guess as a liaison, so to speak, with the SBA, and they will do a second mortgage up to 40%, and the borrower comes in with 10%. Now, one of the very first questions the CDC will ask is, do you currently own and operate a facility? If the answer is yes, then you have a pretty good chance to get that 40% second. If the answer is no, then immediately they'll say, okay, you're you're going to be required to bring in an extra 5%. So at that time, the, the pie is broken up with 50% of the deal is the bank first mortgage. 35% is the CDC, the called the debenture, the second mortgage, and the borrower comes in with 15%. The real, real, real attraction of the 504 is 
that that debenture, especially right now, is priced very attractively. And I, the current rate on that is, I believe, 2.69% fixed for 25 years. Wow. So if you don't need working capital or different things like that into the loan, especially with an acquisition, the 504 is is nice. Now, compare the two, what are some of the, I, when I talk to people, I like to tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so a couple of things that I'd say are a little bit of the punch in the nose. On the 7A, it has a very manageable prepayment penalty of three years, okay? 5%, 3%, 1%. If you win the lottery, you can pay down 25% every year with no penalty at all. Three years, one day, no more penalty. So a little flexibility. 504, you got that really attractive second mortgage rate, but you do have a 10-year prepayment penalty. So if somebody says, hey, I'm going to be in this facility for four years, then the 504 may not really be the right, uh, right one for them. If they say, hey, I'm going to be in this and I hope my kids take over one day, it can be very attractive. And so that's part of learning learning what the borrower is trying to do with, with the deal. So what are some of the ways that an SBA loan differs from a traditional commercial loan? So I'd say the biggest thing with the SBA versus a conventional deal is the require, there are a couple of things. One is the requirement as far as the cash injection, other people say down payment, whatever, however you want to. So what is the borrower going to have to kick into the deal? So on an SBA deal, oftentimes you can do it for as little as 10% uh, cash injection from the borrower. It's very cash flow driven. And with that, then you get 25 years. And so that period of time is, is much longer. Right now, because of the stimulus package, they're running some real nice incentives also. But so I'd say the biggest differences between the two are one, you're not having to come in with as big a cash injection because conventionally, and granted, every little market can be a little bit different. So when I say this, I'm somewhat generalizing, but on conventional deal, you're probably prepared to put in 25 or 30% into the deal. If you have one that's a turnaround, they're not really going to be too open to trying to help with that. So you have a much smaller cash injection on the SBA loans, and you also get a straight term and amortization, whereas on conventional deals, oftentimes you're looking at a five-year term with a 20-year amortization, maybe 25-year amortization, but it has a balloon to it, maybe seven years with a balloon to it. So they're a little bit shorter, the term, the amortization gets pretty, pretty close, if not matches. And I'd say those are the differences from the actual structure. From the from the next standpoint, there are covenants oftentimes on conventional deals. Covenants are where the bank is allowed to call your loan. So that means they are able to force you to pay it off within 30 days. And some of those covenants might be the loan to value. So if you buy it and we hit a bad time in our economy and maybe real estate prices drop, and they're only comfortable at, a, let's say, a 75% loan to value, and now you're at an 80% loan to value, then they have the right to be able to say, hey, you have to pay us in full within 30 days. Well, if you're in a bad economy and you're forced with that, that can be awfully scary. So that's a big thing. They might also do it on how the actual business has performed and what your debt service coverage is. So basically, are you still making money? Because a bank's going to be very careful if they start to see that maybe you didn't make money or maybe, you know, it's a real struggle. Well, they want to get paid. And so they're going to say, hey, you got to pay us off. And if you're struggling again, you don't have that excess money to be able to just pay them off. So then you're struggling to go 
get it refinanced real quickly, and then you're fed to the wolves. And that, you know, that obviously that can get really scary because if you have a limited time to get a deal done and an appraisal might take three weeks, yikes, can be uh, can be a bad, bad time. So as with every loan, there are benefits to some and disadvantages to some. So I don't want to paint it that, you know, it's the SBA is the perfect loan, but for the right people, it's a, it is a really good fit. And so that's what we really try to have the borrower understand where the benefits come. And at the end of the day, I, I tell people this all the time, it's real simple. If the pluses outweigh the minuses, then I got something really good for you. If they don't, then we had a nice conversation and you learned a little bit about some different options and no harm, no foul. You know, you have a different way to go with it. So it's really, I think, the approach that most of us use here. I mean, there's a lot of capital chasing deals now. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as a self-storage investor, uh, it's very popular. <laughs> and so sometimes when you come to a deal, you may want to bring investors into a deal. Does that disqualify you from an SBA loan? No, it doesn't. All, with the SBA, one of the requirements with the SBA is that there has to be at least one guarantor of the deal. And that's who you're going to be really underwriting. Getting back to where our real core is, it does go back to we're helping hardworking American people get into business for themselves. But we do see deals oftentimes with four or six different investors. And then it becomes a situation of how is that structured with them? How many, what is their ownership? But ultimately it's very cash flow driven and we do have to have a personal guarantor. And so then it becomes within the group of investors who's willing to take on that role because with that role it does come more risk. So then it's a matter of figuring out, okay, hey, for signing on it, you know, it's probably fair to be able to take a little larger percentage of the ownership. If it's a syndicate and people are in and out, in and out, in and out, those get a little trickier and, and yeah. that may not be really the folks that that we're really going to be able to help. Yeah. Person would probably be better off going more conventional loan, right? Right. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So if you, is there a percentage wise, let's say, you know, you've got some, uh, is there a threshold where if someone is a percentage investor on the equity that they must be the guarantor, or is there just somebody that just steps up and goes, I'm willing to be the guy. <laughs> so yes to both. If they have 20% or more ownership, then they're required to send a personal guarantee. Now, if you have multiples uh, partners and nobody has 20%, then we generally are looking for the person who has the largest share of the ownership. If they're all, let's say, equal, then we do try to, you know, we explain to them we do need somebody. Ultimately, if you're applying, you, you probably want to try to get approval. So let's put our best foot forward and get the the borrower the most horsepower who's willing to sign on it to be the person who's guaranteeing it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's important. It's important for people to understand that uh, this is very much a recourse loan. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yep, yep. For the full course, for the, yeah, it doesn't burn off. Yep. Um, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, we do understand people hit part times, but, you know, all we're saying is hey, if we're lending the money, we're just asking you to repay us. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so storage is a, is a very stable asset. Uh, it's one of one of the reasons that it's become so popular is that it's done so well in good times and bad times. I think it's got the lowest default rate of any commercial real estate asset. You may know that better than I, but can you recall an instance when a deal has gone bad and why? 
Gosh, you're forcing me to jinx our team. Uh, fortunately, right now, we don't have any that have gone bad. There are a couple maybe that, are, that aren't that are in tip-top shape. I think we got two of them that might not be tip-top shape. But neat thing about Live Oak, uh, we have, you'll hear about banks having, I always get a kick out of what it's called because it sounds like it's terrific, but it's, a, it's reserved for people who are struggling a bit. We have a special assets group. And special isn't always really great to be in, but our special assets group is really, really good. We've got a gentleman by the name of Scott Robbins, who I I find the guy brilliant. Live Oak approaches it differently because we, again, going back to the partner aspect of it, we try to understand where people are at all times, not to be big brother, but if somebody is struggling, it may be good to really get with them early Maybe they're still on time, uh, but open communication. If we say, hey, if they say, hey, you know, I'm not sure we're going to make it. We're going to fly right there. We're going to fly down and see them right away and not try to strong arm them, but say, okay, where are you? Do you still want it? Are you still passionate about it? And if the answer is, yeah, yeah, we are. We're going to work like heck to try to get them through that period of time. And, you know, so Scott and his team, they, are very respectful in what they're doing. They they have to explain here the here are the parameters, here's the consequences of things if they go bad. But again, being involved with the deal and being early in it, maybe the best thing is for them to sell it. And if they sell it, they're going to get a lot more money before it becomes apparent that the place is struggling. So that that part is is you know something I think again makes Live Oak a very unique place because of it is very much again teamwork and although let's hope we don't ever have any bad deals you do know that if one of the people in the special assets are working on it you have complete confidence that they're treating that person with respect and they're not in any way trying to you know strip their dignity from them and you know that that is good so i know they handle that side of the deal great um as far as the industry goes you know, a little tidbit on that was back in May, our chairman, Chip Mann, asked if I'd call everybody in our portfolio. And so I did. And I forget what the number was that we have. I think there's 250, let's say. 235 of them said business as usual. I mean, geez, that's unbelievable. This was May. So, you know, it was still extremely scary. I guess it's still scary. Um, 13 of them said uh, we're setting records. So, I mean, you take those percentages and that's why self-storage is so popular. Uh, you go back to 2008 and nine and all that, and it weathered that storm and then the boom time, it did great. So it's, unfortunately, we couldn't keep a lid on the on the basket to say that it's still a secret, but those type of <laughs> performances definitely, definitely get people's attention. Yeah. So I think that's, again, how Live Oak is a little bit different from other other banks. Well, and, and what you bring up is such an important point, And that's something I always tell people if they're considering storage is that if you're talking to a lender, the first question you should be asking them is, you know, they'll ask, what's your appetite for storage? And a lot of times you'll, you'll hear people go, oh yeah, we, we, we love storage. We love storage. <laughs> the next question should be how many self-storage deals have you funded in exactly. the last two years, in yeah, the last 24 exactly. months? And, and a lot of times you'll get, oh, you know, one or two. Yeah, because you can you can sink or you can sink a business if you don't know how to structure them. Yeah, especially a ground up deal. Uh, you know, I've had people call before and say, "Hey, I got this. I got the doors open, but you know, I'm now paying principal and interest, 
and I only have two units leased. But it's not that they're doing bad. You know, they've only been open for a week. But they're looking down the barrel at a $10,000 a month payment, and they're getting $200 in the in for uh, rentals. That bank let that borrower down yeah. because by not knowing the industry, they just created a real financial hardship for that that borrower. And that's, to me, that's atrocious. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know, I can't think of any other lender that's as experienced as you guys are in storage. I mean, Terry, I've met Terry several times and, and, uh, yeah, Terry's great. Yeah. And you guys are, as you said, a lot of the, a lot of you are passive investors in storage. You're not active investors. And so, you know, the industry. And I think that's, a, again, if you, if you approach lending as a partnership, it's important to be in bed with the experienced partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, sometimes sometimes our no will be, hey, we saw through whether it be the feasibility at a ground-up deal, you know, we don't think you should go with the pace you're going because there's going to be someone opening up, you know, a half a mile away from you three months before you, you know, maybe maybe wait up six months or so to get yours done. But I don't think other banks, you know, go to that extent to try to protect the borrower. And so that's, that is important to us. You know, I've had, I've heard other banks say, well, you know, we don't require a feasibility study on a construction deal because we know how to underwrite. It's apples and oranges. I mean, that's, to me, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of scary. Um, how do you know if permits have been pulled from a local municipality? How do you know what the competition is? You just, it has nothing to do with the underwriting. So to me, that's important for the borrower and the borrower should want to know it because, if, if things start to go bad, everybody is, is going to sink. And Terry has preached for a while. We want to do what's right for the borrower, for the bank, and for the industry. And the last thing any of us want is a lot of vacant self-storage facilities. It's always the big question about, well, is the market oversaturated? Well, let's all be mindful and let's not kill the golden goose by just doing deals. Let's just make sure that we're protecting everybody, including the industry and doing deals that people can be successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, often I hear people say that the worst enemy of storage is storage. You know, it's often, and it's often uh, people who have the attitude of I've got money, I've got land, build it and they will come. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's usually a scary proposition. I own the land, so I'm putting up self storage. Yeah. You're not, you know, our chief credit officer, Steve Smith's often, talks to us about, you know, being careful of the tail and the tail can ruin the deal. If they're only looking at the beginning and they don't know the back, uh, then you don't want to do that. And so, you know, sometimes you just have to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to pass on this. And there are times that sure that borrowers think that we're complete idiots, but I think if we can be consistent with protecting the borrower, protecting the bank and protecting the industry, then we'll be in it for the long haul. All right. Well, I want to finish off with just allowing you to take the floor for a minute and and offer any advice that you might have for somebody who's, you know, just now getting into storage. They've decided this is what they want to do, and and maybe they've they're close. They've gotten close on a couple of deals. What advice for you would have for them getting a deal to the finish line as far as uh, lending goes? Okay. Um, so the first thing I would say is put together a really good team. Do your research and put together a team. Surround yourself with pros. You know, I think there's a saying about if you want to get somewhere, you talk to somebody who's already gotten there. So you talk to some people that have done it before and, you know, have an accountant who knows how to help you with that, whether it just be with starting up a business or specifically storage attorney. So get, get your team together 
and do your research. I'd encourage people to go to some shows. A national show would be really good because there are a lot of great educational classes there. I think that, you know, on our, our website, I think that we have some very helpful information there with some articles and different things like that, that I think could be helpful for the, the borrower. And then after they're at that point, uh, be patient. If you're looking for an acquisition, they're not always the easiest one to come by, but keep your thoughts open in regard to how you want to get into it. Maybe the acquisition doesn't turn out to be your way. So then, you know, then maybe it's a ground up construction deal. Well, I don't want to wait that long before I, you know, get po- positive cash flow. That could be a couple of years. Well, okay, maybe you want to look at a conversion, and you know, because retail, they did a lot. They spent a lot of money studying where they're going to put their, let's say, sports authority. And although retail changed, they still the demographics are good. There are a lot of rooftops there, so don't overlook some of the opportunities that may be a conversion deal. And then at that point, interview your lender and try to figure out uh, their experience and what they do in terms of being able to help you, whether it be from yourself or just help align you with other people in the industry. You know, they can say, hey, we've worked with these people and they're not just pulling names out of a directory. And then after that, that point, to be able to be real clear on your path to success. Again, I say brag, but, you know, just be very clear on what you're going to do to be successful. And with a business plan, it shouldn't be something that is done just to satisfy the bank, but that in a lot of ways should be your playbook and your goals. If if you're giving your performa, those would be the goals that you want to challenge yourself to hit. And then you start to look at it and you start going out three, four, five, seven years it can be a game changer. It can really be a game changer for people. And, you know, and the, abil- the ability to, to potentially make money when something is, is going right without having to devote a tremendous amount of time to it should be very appealing to people. Um, and, you know, just, I would really say to do your homework, surround yourself with people who have done it, be clear in, in your path to success, and then at that, then, you know, the entrepreneur spirit kicks in and just believe in yourself and, and, you know, you can get there. It's, it's very much within reach. So that's how I'd encourage people to get into it. Gotcha. Well, Mo Kruger, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was thank really you. lovely speaking with you. Um, if any of our listeners want to find out more about you and Live Oak Bank, where would you recommend they go? So they can either call me at, uh, my phone number is 910 2907. My email is mo, M-O-E dot Kruger, K-R-U-G-E-R at liveoak, L-I-V-E-O-A-K dot bank, B-A-N-K. Um, and I'd also say definitely uh, go to our website, take a look at it, go through our knowledge bank and click on that and uh, just try to be familiar with some of the different different. Uh, whether it be articles or podcasts or anything like that, that can help you and uh, do your homework. And, you know, we certainly, not just me, Terry does a great job. Uh, Anna, Bashesh, and I got, I mean, boy, I, I could brag about them for another hour about how great Ann and Anna and Bashesh are. So uh, as a team, real proud to, to just be a little part of this team. Well, thanks again, Mo. Thank you. You have a great one. All right. Take care.
Okay, that was Mo Kruger from Live Oak Bank. Uh, we certainly appreciate him taking the time. It's always great to talk to people from Live Oak Bank about storage. I, I, you know, I'm a bit of a storage geek, and they know their stuff. So this one's this is a little bit different. We're not going to do our normal time, knowledge, uh, location, and money. But uh, I would say a key lesson learned for me on this one was to think of your lender as a partner. You know, you want you want somebody a partner who's going to have your back. You want a partner who's experienced. You want a partner who's not going to turn on you when the chips are down. And I think you know a, a good storage lender, and I think Live Oak is one of the best. I can't think of one that's better. Fits that bill. I mean, you want somebody who's going to not let you make a big mistake and who's going to set you up to be successful. So once again, that was Mo Kruger from Live Oak Bank. You can give him a call at 910-550-2907. You can also reach him via email. And this will all be in the show notes, mo.kruger at liveoak.bank. And I encourage you to go to the Live Oak Bank website as well. They have all kinds of resources about storage, if that's something you're interested in. And, uh, I'm Neil Henderson. This is the Road to Family Freedom. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels on your road to financial freedom.